Please rise for the reading of God's Word. We are in 1 John chapter 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. First John chapter four. Hey Stevo, can you bring me a clock that works? Or else these poor folks here may be here for hours and hours. First John chapter four. Verse seven. This is the Apostle John. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior to the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would tune our hearts into the word that you have for us to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. We read so much here, Lord, about love. And we're told here that no, no one has seen God, but through our love, we manifest, we show God to the world. How do we do that, Lord? What is love? Lord, we come here to change. We don't come here just as a religious exercise, just in and out. God forbid it that we be like the man or woman who James describes who sees their face in the mirror and then leaves forgetting what he just saw. Lord, show us into our hearts what needs to change, but more importantly, show us into your heart to see 
what we need to change into. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So a whole lot of talk about loving one another in this chapter. In this book, in fact, 50 times, love or a form of that word is mentioned. Loving one another. Verse 7 says, beloved, let us love one another. Verse 8 says, he who does not love does not know God. Verse 11 says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12 says, no one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Down in verse 20, it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21 says, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. He continues on actually in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. And by that he means the begetter loves, and if you say that you love the begetter who is God, you will love those who the Lord begot, who, who are the people of God, loving one another. We have a discipleship program in our church. There's about, oh, 12 or 15 discipleship groups. Uh, uh, it's a discipleship program called the Navigators uh, but written by the navigators, it's called the Two Seven, and the, it's a thirty-three week discipleship program. And the very first book, the very first day of this discipleship, the instructions are on how to teach the disciplee how to mark their Bible. How you mark your Bible? It's the very first lesson of this thirty-three week program. And the reason that they do that is so that we will really focus on what we're reading, obviously, right? And, and one of the things that we teach people or that they teach people is circle or mark the words that are repeating each other. So loving one another here about eight times in, in just in our reading this morning. Another, by the way, is is the word born of God. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. Verse 1 of chapter 5 says the same thing. Five times uh, in this book, born of God. And, and John, nearing the end of his life, he's very concerned um, that he wants to leave this life. He wants to leave a church that is a, a witness of the real thing. And lo- lots of counterfeits had um, arisen um, that were not the real thing. And what he wants to really get across is, look, if it's the real thing, if you're the real thing, you're loving one another. Loving one another in the kind of love. Uh, that he is referring to here. Not a sentimental love, not a feeling, not an emotion. It's a choice. A choice to do what? Anyone, shout it out. A choice to do what? To die. That's right. 
a choice to die. Uh, What do I mean by that? Well, let's read verses 10 and 11. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so we see this word propitiation, real long word. Uh, What does that mean in verse 10, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins? Well, there's a long answer and there's a short answer. And I'm going to give you both. But the long answer is kind of short. That's the good news. The long answer is this. Jesus was the propitiation for our sins by number one, taking on our sins. Number two, taking the punishment for them. And number three, for taking our sins away. The short answer is this. Jesus was the propitiation for our sins by dying for our sins. So verse 10 could read like this. Let's read verse 10. You could read it like this. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to die for our sins. Uh, and, And so then in the very next verse, it says, Beloved, if God loved us like this, we also ought to love one another. Meaning we need to die for one another. If God loved us by giving his son to die for us, we should love each other the same way by giving up our life for dying for each other. So, there should be review for many of you because we've been here. We're going through uh, John, First John, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Chapter 3, verse 16, let's read that verse, says the same thing. Turn back there, verse 13, uh, verse 16 rather, of chapter 3. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus says the same thing. It says, um, Jesus says in uh, John chapter 13, verse uh, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And, And we know what this means. This means he, he, he by, by saying you need to love one another as I have loved you, he's saying you need to die for each other. Not a literal death, Jesus did that, but a death to our needs, a death to what we want, a death to our comfort, a death to our security, a death to our dreams, our desires, our demands. Just kind of reviewing now where we have been for um, the last uh, six or eight weeks, have been t- I took a little time off, and so I just wanted to, um, to catch us up there, dying for one another, loving one another by dying for one another. This morning, you, you heard from Andre and Nicole about the team that went to Brazil. What a privilege to be able to go there. Very few church planners that I have ever known Um, are doing what Pastor Alex is doing in Brazil. He's planning a church by going into the slums and ministering there. Most churches that are planted are planted in middle-class areas or lower-middle-class areas. And I'm not going to judge that. 
It's just, um, just really, it's, it, it's a fact. It's where people choose. But he's, he's, he is, uh, has gone in um, to the slums there. The homicide rate in this particular city, Fortaleza, um, there were 500 homicides in Fortaleza in the month of January alone this year. Now, how many were there in Boston last year? about 40 or 50. So, and, and there's 500 in this city alone. Uh, so he's led a number of Bible studies in the slums over the past three or four years. Um, 30 men who have been a part of his Bible studies have been murdered. A man who was in a Bible study we attended last year uh, was not at the Bible study this year because he had been murdered. Same thing happened to us in a previous mission strip. All of a sudden we show up, a guy's not there. He had been murdered. So, and so hear me out now. We're talking about love. Alex is loving these people. He's, he's dying for them in the sense he's dying to his own personal security. He is dying to his own personal comfort. But by dying to himself, he is seeing life in the people He is ministering to. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 4. And I've also quoted uh, this verse in previous weeks. But he says this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side. And he's speaking about loving these people, these Corinthians. These Corinthians were a hard bunch of people to love. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life, in you so death is working in us but because death is working in us life is being worked in you that's what paul is saying now i wasn't called to live in fortaleza brazil neither are most of you and there's nothing wrong with that alex and his wife erica listen important are no more spiritual than anyone else in this room who is following the will of God for their lives. No more spiritual. They're not. Than anyone else in the world who is a Christian, a a man or woman following Jesus who's following the will of God for their lives. However, following the will of God in your life involves loving each other, loving by dying for each other. A death to what you want, a death to your comfort, a death to your security, a death to your your dreams, your desires, your demands. We are a demanding people. That's who we are in the flesh. We demand. We want now. Give me this now. And I don't want to have to sacrifice for him or her. I want, because I'm demanding this now. And and, and, and what, what love is. Loving like Jesus loved, dying for us by imitating that death. It's, it's dying to our demands for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you do that, you are showing a picture to the world of what Jesus did for the world. Again, 
By this we know love, 1 John 3, 16, because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. When you see a, a man or woman in Christ laying down their demands, their wants, their needs for another brother and sister in Christ, you are giving the world a, a picture of the story of the cross, of Jesus dying for the world. Now in the book of Mark, at the very, very beginning of the book of Mark, you don't have to uh, turn there. John the Baptist announced the coming of Jesus. And he was eventually put into prison. When Jesus was uh, heard that John was put into prison, it says that he came to Galilee. He started preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And, and it says that he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Uh, it says, because they were fishermen. And he said to them, what? He said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And I have a question for you this morning. Are you a fisher of men? You've been called to that. Do you understand that? Do you understand that you're a fisher of men? You're a fisher of women. That's who you are. That's who Jesus called you to be. Are you that person? A fisher of men. There's a very unique message in the Bible, and it is this. To be a fisher of men All you need to do is love each other. When, when the world sees that, it says they will know, they will know that you're the disciples of Jesus. And, and in fact, it, will, it, it says they will know, uh, John 17 says that the Father sent his Son. Somehow they will know. Being a fisher of men or a fisher of women, so often we get this idea that it is exclusively about sharing our faith, sharing the gospel message. Yes, it is that. But it has to be a, a, a man or woman sharing the gospel message with a life backing up that message which loves each other is loving the brethren. If you're not backing up the gospel message with a life that loves each other, the Bible says your words have very little power and that you will see very, very little fruit. John 13, 35 says this. It says, by this, this is, Jesus said this, the night before he was crucified, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, you want to be a fisher of men. You want to be a fisher of women. This is it. 
backing up the words of the gospel, which is Jesus lived the perfect life to credit to your account. Jesus died for your sins. He rose again to give you life. Backing up those words by love, by loving each other. That is a fisher of men. And that's, that's what Jesus is. The very first thing he, he did, he, he called people to be uh, fishers of men. Question for you this morning. It says here, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Are people noticing you? <laughs> are people seeing you and seeing something different and and knowing that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ are they seeing it by your love for one another uh, the, I, I love these verses in um, in first Peter it says this uh, in first Peter 2 9 it says but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people are people looking at you and coming to the conclusion that you're peculiar? Is that happening in your life? Are people looking at you and coming to the conclusion? Now, that is a peculiar person. Time and time again, I read an article in the paper um, about... Uh, uh, an, an act of love. And it's getting a lot of attention because people are thinking that's really peculiar. That act of love is really peculiar. Uh, I, I, I read one about um, uh, some, a, a, a man in the military who had done some time in, in Iraq brought back um, a kid from Iraq who had cerebral palsy. And he adopted that kid. That's peculiar. That's very peculiar. But that is how we are called to love. What, what is he, by, by doing that, what's he doing? He is dying to himself so that someone else would live. He's dying to himself so that someone else um, would live. And you may say, well, Peter, uh, that he, 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 was, uh, he was a... Stubborn, knuckle-headed guy. No one would have uh, said something like this other than Peter. Well, no. Actually, Paul did too when he was writing to Titus. Uh, he said this in Titus 2.14. Jesus gave himself. It says, who gave himself? Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and pure, purify himself unto himself a peculiar people. There it is again. Zealous of good works. Are you loving in such a way that you're really looking peculiar? Jesus says, as you do that, the world will know that you're my disciples. The problem with the church in the United States today is that there's nothing distinct about it. <laughs> there's nothing distinct about the church in, in, in America so oftentimes. 
they, they, they're loving each other within the church really no different than how people love in the world. Uh, when people love in the world, they, they go after a person who um, is, is lovable, who uh, they have things in common with the person, or they're attracted to the person, and, and they love that person. But that's not peculiar. God says, I am purifying for myself a peculiar people so that when the world looks at it, they're going to say, hmm, that is distinct. That is different. And so, Sean, can we get John 13 up again? John here, towards the end of his life, was there in person as Jesus was sharing these words on the night before he was crucified. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so those words had been burned in his mind. And so here he is at the end of his life in 1 John chapter 4, and he's going over and over and over again. And if you mark your Bibles, I I, I encourage you to to mark these verses right now. Verse 7, love one another. Verse 8, he who does not love, uh, does not know God, for God is love. Verse 11, uh, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen any time, um, God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Again, verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Then again, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. He wants us to love one another. He wants us to be a peculiar people. He wants us to look completely different than the world. Now, there is a big fat lie from Satan that Christians have been falling for for centuries. And it's why the church in the United States, I believe, is not distinct. It doesn't look any different than the world. By falling for this lie, or by better, uh, better put, choosing, but for, by choosing this lie, Christians choose second best, a life that is a distant second best. And the lie of Satan is this. If you choose to love like Jesus is telling you to love, you will be ripped off. You will be ripped off. By asking you to love like that, God is ripping you off. You will miss out on so much in your life if you love like that. Don't love like that. Protect your life. Protect your life from God. If, you, if left to God, he'll steal your life from you. That is a lie that so many Christians buy into. And it is a formula for a life that is second best. I beg you, brothers and sisters, don't fall for that lie. There is so much joy. 
there is so much reward in loving like Jesus loves. So much reward in it. In Mark 28, rather Mark 10, 28, um, Peter says to Jesus, he, he, he says to him, he says, Jesus, we've left all and followed you. Uh, followed you. In other words, we, we've, we've died to everything that, that is, means anything to us. We've left all and, and we followed you. What do we get out of that? Peter was a bold guy. Jesus answered him and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands worth persecutions and in the age to come eternal life and and I have found those verses in Mark to be as I like to say sometimes, the truest verses in the Bible. I mean, all the verses in the Bible are true, but, 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 but I got to tell you, there is so much joy and, and so much reward of laying down your life every single day for your brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've had to leave my wife and my kids, and my family, and my mother and father, and go do the work of the Lord. Just die to my flesh. How many times on a, on a Saturday afternoon, the heart of the week, particularly when I was, when I was working full-time as the church got started, which was, uh, it was eight, eight years, the heart of the weekend, and my kids are out there in the yard or something playing, and I'm, I, 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 I've left them to prepare a message. And, and just what it did to me, just, just dying to my flesh. But the reward that I have received back as, 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 as um, Jesus says to, to, to Peter, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children's and lands, a hundredfold. I've seen God take what I left and just multiply it a hundredfold. Just, and you know, my house and my life today and my home has just become such a, a sanctuary of the Lord. And I, I credit so much to that to my wife who has, who has just been a, a vessel of the Lord dying to her, her own self, loving by dying. And just, and, and, and just the return and, and, and one of the most difficult things um, as a, a, for a pastor is, is to see people protecting their life, protecting it, convinced of the lie that God is going to steal from them. And then 10, 20, or 30 years into the game, they look at their children 
and not walking with the Lord. They look at all the, uh, you, you know, everything that they've tried to protect, so much of it is eaten away. And they, they've believed a lie. And, and, and so uh, uh, Jesus says, um, John, is, John is just pleading with the people um, over and over and over again, saying, love one another, love one another, love one another. Not a sentimental love, not a, not a feeling, not an emotion, but a choice to die. A choice to die to our demands, our comfort our security. One of the greatest benefits or blessings of loving each other by dying for each other, I want to read now, is in... Actually, first let's go to to 1 John uh, chapter 3. Read... Let me see here. First John chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, He who loves his brother abides in the life, light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. What you're getting here is really the same thing that we just read in the book of Mark that Jesus Jesus' response to Peter, except it's, it, it's worded differently. It's saying, if you love, there'll be no cause for stumbling in you. There'll be no cause for, um, f- for, for you to be, to, to be ripped off from what God wants you to have. If you love your brothers and sisters by dying for them, you will be blessed in ways that are immeasurable. And I want to show you one of those ways. It's here in 1 John 4, um, verse 17, where we read this morning. It says, verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, now again, uh, verse 10 of chapter, uh, of chapter 3 says, He who loves his brother, there's no cause for stumbling in him. And it, one of the ways we, it, we stumble is through fear. Fear is torment, verse 18 says. I speak on a weekly basis to people who are tormented by fear. I speak to people who have PhDs, who have jobs that, are, that, that would make anybody in this room envious of, who even have families. You look from the outside looking in, and, and man, it looks like they have a stable a marriage, and they, they have kids, and there's so much stability there, but they are tormented by fear. Just speaking to someone this, we, this week who, from the outside, just looked completely tormented. From the inside, torment, tormented by, by fear. 
One of the blessings of loving, of dying for your brother and sister, loving them in such a way that you're dying um, for them, it says in this verse, is that it says perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. What people would do to be free from fear? Are you dominated by fear? And, 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 and I will tell you, believe me, in the last year, there have been a couple of times where, man, I was crippled by fear. And usually it was a fear that had no basis in truth. And I was crippled by it. For, for, and, and it would just drive me to my knees. Lord, please. But the question I have for you, if you are, if, if you, if you have fear in your life, if you have anxiety in your life, if you're being crippled by fear, I have this question for you. Are you loving your brothers and sisters by dying to your own dreams, your own wants, your own needs? Are you doing that? Because the Bible says that that is the way to drive out fear. The people who I see over the years, you know, I haven't, there's been people out there who've been walking with the Lord longer than I have, but I've been walking with the Lord for 27 years, and and this is what I know, I have learned over time. The men and women who are taking literally what John is saying here over and over again, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, and they are loving in such a way that they die they are the ones living a life free of fear. There's a lot of reasons to fear today. Just open up the newspaper, and the newspaper will give you reasons to fear. Uh, on Sunday night, when we were, uh, we were t- going through the book of Revelation about um, the, the tribulation and all the disaster happening, you can just go into Google and research all the different ways why it almost doesn't make sense that there's not a natural disaster uh, through uh, sort of a, a biological pathogen or, or um, through a flooding or global warming. It almost doesn't make sense that there's not one that wipes out society. There's so many reasons to fear. God is holding it all together, and though, and that what John is saying is as you love one another by dying for one another, fear will be cast out. Again, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear is torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Question for you as as I close out this message. Are you being tormented by fear? Is your life being dominated by fear? Has it been dominated by fear for as long as you can remember? May I suggest this to you, that you're trying to have it both ways. You're trying to sort of get the blessings of God without really obeying God. But the Bible is so very clear that, that, again, he who loves his brother, who loves his sister, 
There is no cause for stumbling in him. How do we stumble? We stumble through fear. Fear is torment. And fear is the opposite of love. But as, uh, as love is perfected um, in our life, fear is cast out. I want to invite the worship team um, up at this point. And, I, and if you've been asked to pray, if you could come up as well. Again, when you love the way Jesus loved, which is dying for one another, you are giving the world a picture of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. What did he do? He lived a perfect life to credit you to your account. He suffered and died to... to Everything that was his to keep on to, he let it go and he went to the cross and he died for the world. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then he rose from the dead in order to pour out that gift, the gift of eternal life for us. When you love, when you love each other, the way the Bible describes love, not a sentiment, not emotion, but dying for each other. You become a fisher of men. You become a fisher of women. And you live the blessed life. As we close uh, this morning, I just want to uh, invite anyone who is present here who... I mean, you know in your heart that fear has been crippling you. Fear does that. You go to a doctor and for this, and they'll want to give you a prescription. If you go to the God for this, he is going to want to give you really a command. He's, he's going to give you a command, and the command is to, is to love each other. And the good news is this. You've been given the grace to do that. You have. The Bible says that God has given us all things we need for life and godliness. As the worship team begins, I just want um, anyone who would like prayer to just come up and be vulnerable and just confess your need for the grace to love that person who's right beside you in your home, who is in your workplace, who is in your dorm room, in your neighborhood. That's what's going to drive fear out so many of us but also if you are here this morning and you have never come to the place in your life where you have been born again again five times in this letter in 1 John it says it, it mentions the phrase born of God the Bible says we're we, we pass from death to life be assured of eternal life 
only if we are born of God, and that happens when, not when we come out of our mother's womb. It happens when we respond to Jesus who is knocking at the door of our heart and saying, can I come in? Can I take over your life? I died for you. I rose from the dead to have a relationship with you. Can I come in? If you've never done that this morning, if you've de- rather if you've never done that in your life, this morning is an opportunity just to come up and pray and invite him in your life. So let's just close the, close the morning with this worship song. Why don't we, we stand at this time and uh, I'll close in prayer and then we will worship together. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, asking you, Lord, to bring life to this message. Lord, we want to love one another as you loved us. It says in your word, Lord, it says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Lord, we look at that and we say, man, if I do that, I'll be ripped off. Man, if I, I love people the way Alex Piagetti is in, in Fortaleza, it could be the end of my life. If I really die to my demands, my desires, my dreams, oh man, am I going to get ripped off. No, Lord, that's a lie. And I, I pray that you would brand that on our hearts, that that's a lie. And give us that desire. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and fill us, just fall upon us, and bless us now. As we open our hearts to you and just ask for that, ask for that power to to live after you, Lord Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name.